Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 76 of The Yacking Show. This is where we talk about life, business and more, and we bring you tips and ideas for the changing world we're living in, and it's certainly changing day by day. We always have a lineup of interesting guests for you. Today is no exception, but I must first welcome my co-host, Kathleen, to the show, and she will do the honours by introducing our guest. So, hi, Kathleen. Good to have you back on the show after a couple of days, and how's things down there in Waterloo today? Hello, Peter. Uh, it's it's a little bit on the gloomy side today, but um, otherwise, I'll take it. For winter, you know, it's fantastic. I'm having a great day. So thanks for that, Peter. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you. And we love reading your comments. So do please keep them coming. And if anyone out there is interested in becoming, uh, becoming a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And if you are interested and like this show, you'll love the next one and the next one after that. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And as Peter was saying, uh, we do have another very special guest with us today. And we have the honor of having Dr. Regine Maradian with us. Hello, Dr. Regine, how are you? Hello, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me today. And where are you from? I am, well, I'm in Los Angeles right now. So it's, we, we have the beautiful weather, <laughs> although I love the four seasons, but um, yes, in Los Angeles. So, so Dr. Regine, you are a clinical psychologist. You are an accomplished author, trainer, and consultant. And through your practice, you work with uh, children, with adolescents, with adults who present with a wide range of emotional, behavioral, and adjustment problems. Tell our audience a little bit more about your background and what generated your interest in psychology. Yes, um, great question. So I, uh, well, I, my, I have a bachelor's, I started in a different route. So I always use that as an example to inspire people when, you know, when they're graduating high school and trying to figure out what they want to do. And I say, you never know what you want to do. Mm -hmm. you, know, you fall into it and it just happens. Um, so I have a background in international relations and politics and business marketing. Oh, yeah. That was my huge interest. I love working. Uh, my, my dream dream at the time was working in human rights. I still have um, a lot of that passion. And so use that today in a different way in psychology. And I'll share that. Mm. Um, after that, I went to school. I decided that, you know, to work with children. Um, it just really fell into my lap, literally, um, as, at the time, how it happened. And I got my master's in clinical psychology and my doctorate in clinical psychology with a specialty in children and teens and families. Um, my advocacy, I use it right now because I do a lot of mental health advocacy for kids because I specialize also in assessments where I dive in really deep um, in psychology. We call it executive functioning, which is all the frontal part of the brain, which has to do with organization. Mm -hmm. Right now, kids on Zoom really, really struggling with this. Even teens and young adults are really struggling with all this frontal lobe executive functioning. And really what that is, is imagine just, you know, uh, organizing yourself, uh, preparing assignments, staying on Zoom, staying connected, you know, multitasking. And I think that's what I'm seeing right now as a big mm -hmm. issue uh, for kids. So I do a lot of executive functioning training as well to really help kids get off the ground, identify what their weaknesses are, and turn those into strengths. Wow. Interesting. 
I, I would not have guessed um, in this day and age, uh, you know, we take it for granted, Peter and I take it for granted because we're on Zoom every single day and it's just become part of our lives. But when you're dealing with children who are now having to sit in front of the computers in order to learn, it didn't even occur to me that that might be uh, an issue for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I really, I think one of the good things I get to see that as a parent as well, because I'm mm -hmm. a mom of three right. and uh, just watching them, watching their friends struggling. And so it just gives me, I'm really blessed and grateful to be able to see the different perspectives on what kids are feeling, not just with my clients, but just looking overall in our home too. Mm -hmm. It's My son uh, has uh, three children, three boys under six, under seven, I guess. And uh, two step boys who are in high school and the, the boys in high school are managing reasonably well with Zoom. The, the two youngsters, well, the ones that one's not started yet, the two young guys were really struggling. So they've gone back to school. He said they just weren't coping on Zoom. So gone back to school and they're much happier back in the real classrooms. And he says they're doing a lot better too. So what, you, what you're saying. So that's a lot that you cover and, and a lot of different um, types of patients that you see. So what sort of therapies do you use to do these, uh, this deep, deep diving into executive function and the problems that we're seeing? Yeah, so I mainly use cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. And I think right now with Zoom, it's just pretty much meeting kids where they're at, meeting families and parents where they're at and what they're struggling. Uh, that's how my book, Frankie and the Worry Bees, was born. It wasn't planned. It just happened. The pandemic hit in March, and I was, like, noticing that kids on Zoom were just fatigued, low motivation, having a really time connecting. And so through the use of illustrations, which is really CBT work, right, it's putting, uh, you know, and uh, identifying something on paper and mm -hmm. then really working with that. So, for example, just to give you a, a cognitive behavioral therapy example, mm -hmm. If you feel as a negative thought that you're not pretty enough or that you can't do something or you are not confident, that's a real thought that kids or even young adults and adults tend to feel. And they don't move forward, right? Let's say you failed on a test and you don't think you can get yourself back up and continue. And I'm a big advocate of failure as well in terms of you have to fail in order to succeed, in order to get to the next step. So the CBT type of exercise would be, okay, I want you to write down all the things that you can do because I know you have it within yourself. So it's very motivational as well. And we just did this as a trial. It was really for fun. I was just having to come up with something in that moment to engage them. And the exercise was, I can do this. I am smart enough. I do feel good enough. I will succeed. And they, the exercise was put it on your wall, tape it, repeat it every day, and then tell me how you feel next week. And sure enough, kids were feeling more motivated they were feeling good. I got so much positive feedback, not just from kids, but adults too. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew at that point I had to turn it into a book. I knew that this has to be made into a story. And that's the, the really the story about Frankie. And I'm coming out now with a series as I was so inspired uh, uh, at Frankie's story that just really showcasing problems and issues that kids kind of go through, which is worry. And I, my next one is coming on homeschool adventures so Frankie and his homeschool adventures right very good so yes. I, I just further to that uh, I think you bring up a really good point where there's there's a lot of people not just children but adults as well where they they lose sight of the fact that they've accumulated enough skill sets in their careers and 
and it, those skills get skills skill sets can take them to another another career but oftentimes people are so locked in what they're currently doing especially people who've been in careers for a very long time 15 20 years and they think well this is all i know and they can't see past um you know see past what they're currently doing because they think they're locked in so i think that's i think what you're doing is fabulous and teaching them showing them that they've learned skills that can be transferred and applied somewhere else so kudos to you for that in fact you know you i was looking at your website you speak five languages where did you yes. learn, where did you learn those and what languages do you speak yes thank you so I speak, uh, so I grew up in France, so that's where mm -hmm. I learned French. Uh, my background, uh, my parents were uh, Romanian, so that's where the Romanian comes from. Okay. Uh, my grandparents spoke with me, Romanian. we would visit every summer. So language was really important in our household. And uh, English, I learned just, you know, uh, through friendships and people that I know. And uh, what else, what else? So English, French, Romanian. I covered uh, Hebrew. I lived in Israel for two years while in high school. Wow. Um, and so that was where I learned. And I, I, I always had this affinity, I guess, now I realize just picking up language. But the desire within was I really had an issue with people speaking and I wasn't understanding it. And they wouldn't change to English for me. They would just keep on speaking the language. I was like, I have to learn this to understand and um, I have a very visual memory, so I would see the words on the billboards, learn the alphabet, and then I would just practice and just through listening. My husband's Armenian, so I learned Armenian um, again through I, later on in my 20s. Wow. Uh, same issue. No one would change for me. You know, they just keep on speaking the language. And I just picked up on it. So I understand everything is just a little bit harder conversationally. Uh, but that's how I, that's a common question I get is how did you... Uh, learn and it's just such, a, such an important tool to have I feel um, that I just so wish I could pass on to my kids mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's hard right I think I was able because I just lived in so many different countries it just came very naturally but when we're living in America you can you may be exposed to a couple languages or three if you're lucky um, and really just practice it but there's Rosetta Stone now there's so many especially now we have so much time on our hands um, if that's something someone likes and they inspire to learn, do it. Don't be afraid. Just keep on listening. Listen to movies. I love movies, watching that, and just learning that way too. Yeah, very good. Uh, two, two questions arising from that. Armenian, I, I would guess, is not spoken by that many million people anymore. Yeah, yes, well, there's a lot of Armenians in the diaspora, the diaspora we call it, um, mm -hmm. all over the world. Yes, but it's not as common. Very true. It's uh, my community where I live in, which is in Glendale. It's all Armenian, mostly Armenian population. Really? Interesting. Yes. Uh, Los Angeles, we have a very high population and also throughout the United States. Um, right. And uh, yes, and on that note, I had my Frankie book translated into Armenia. Armenian, because uh, I'm doing a lot of volunteer work and training a lot of the psychologists in Armenia right now. Just we were doing some volunteer work and supporting them there, because a lot of kids were displaced from the war um, in sure. Artsakh um, that just occurred. So a lot of kids without families and mental health is a really big issue as well, like all over the world, and just really giving them that tool. So I had mm -hmm. it translated. Uh, to wow, very good. For them. 
because I, you know, I don't want to uh, pick any scabs or sores and get too deep <laughs> into politics here, but yeah. having been, I haven't lived in Canada all my life. I lived in Africa most of my life. And having been yeah. part of a persecuted minority, I've read about what's happened in Armenia over the last 150 years. So I'm very aware of, of both the bad things that happened and, in my opinion, the fact that uh, the West let the Armenians down very badly. But as I say, I don't, that's my opinion. So I'm, that's why yeah. I asked you the question about, you know, are there that many people? Um, there was another question I was going to ask you from that. And Oh, I was going to, yes, that's what I was going to ask you. As it's, um, do, A lot of people have this perception that once you're an adult, it's really difficult to learn another language. I, I, I learned another language too, in fact, as an adult. What's your opinion? Do you believe you can if you put your mind to it? Absolutely. I did. So mm -hmm. I think that you can do anything you put your mind to. Uh, mm -hmm. I want, I, going on that same wavelength, you know, Kathleen, you were mentioning something so important. Just think about the people who have businesses. I mean, in mental health, we've been really blessed. I'm so grateful. We've been very busy due to the climate. But what about other businesses, uh, business owners who've lost their business because they couldn't, mm -hmm. couldn't thrive under COVID? And so there's a lot of people uh, feeling depressed and down and really not being able to think what's next. So that's another thing that I'm trying to really empower people is you do have your own creative. Th there's something else that you can do. Let me give you an example. Uh, my dad's a physician. He just retired this year. He's 74. God bless his soul. And um, he's, he's just my mentor and he's just incredible and just a humanitarian person. And he started taking on the saxophone. He started learning the saxophone on his own. Not wow. only that, uh, the violin, I mean, he's getting so much into music. And I'm trying to really showcase and inspire people to show, look, 2020 has been so difficult. Yes, uh, we cannot ignore COVID and the numerous deaths we've had and how debilitating and all the losses. But looking also at what are the positives for a lot of families and people and what are some things that we have been able to do? And I think that's where the focus needs to go into, you know, going back to the language question. That's one of the positives is if that's something you love and you've always wanted to do, like a bucket list, mm -hmm. um, there's so many programs out there where you can learn. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was lucky I learned French at school and then didn't yeah. use it for... Uh, going on 30 years and then I started I was living in South Africa and I was trading with Francophone Africa so it was important to brush up my French so I went to night school and I passed the entry level university entry level French but I didn't go to university and then I, I went up into French speaking Zaire as it was called in Rwanda at about the time of the civil war and I got caught there and quarantined two weeks not a word of English and you you know how quickly my French improved at the grand old age of nearly 50 or so it yes. worked yeah but yes. this program, I think that's the key yeah yeah this is this program not about me this is all about you that tell us a little more from what you're seeing the the effects of the COVID shut well the shutdowns more than anything on the state of mental health in the general population are you seeing specific trends or differences yes I, I think that you had mentioned um, about your family, right? The shift. And so there's two, there's two uh, shifts that I'm seeing. On one hand, we're seeing kids who are thriving on Zoom. They're doing amazing. This is their thing. They're, they're loving it. They're not feeling, um, they're not really going through any mental health concerns. Mm -hmm. 
because they're loving just, you know, turning in their work when they want to, having more free time. Uh, I think that looking pre-COVID, can you imagine what it was like before for moms driving everywhere, taking their kids to activities, um, just constant stress where that has been, we've slowed down quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So there's some families that are thriving and loving this. And this is why I wrote the homeschool adventures uh, series piece, because I wanted to showcase how some kids are actually shifting to homeschool. I really think we're going to see that uh, in 2021 and, 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 and forward. Now, there's the other part, the other side, which are kids who are really struggling, anxiety, uh, depression, a lack of motivation, a lot of procrastination, parents working from home, not knowing how to manage juggle, poor moms. I mean, you know, I, I, I can speak for myself and what I see from just other people and my friends you know, juggling housework. We're not used to being at home this much and being together as a unit. And right. So there's more cooking, there's more eating, there's more cleaning. So as a parent, I think, and as, as a mom and even for fathers, moms and dads, or, you know, caregivers in general, it's really tough right now, just navigating that and adjusting. So in terms of mental health, yes, absolutely. There are definitely a lot of kids struggling right now with this system. I think they're feeling socially isolated, withdrawn. This is hard for kids who are very social. Can you mm -hmm. imagine they're not with their friends anymore? They're not seeing them at school. Um, I'm getting a lot of questions of, will this decrease their socialization skills? Will this uh, create some regression? Mm -hmm. um, and certainly, yes, I think it will. However, I think that the kids are resilient and they mm -hmm. will catch right back up. They'll get back on the horse and hopefully as things improve and I'm just praying that, you know, we get back to school soon, uh, no matter what that would look like, they, they're resilient and I know they're happy. They will be happy just going back and being with their friends again. Mm -hmm. And there'll be no more complaints of, no. Mommy, I don't want to go to school today. No, I think they're <laughs> going to be like, yes, <laughs> I want to go to school today. So yeah. I, I think it's the grass is not greener on the other side. Sometimes you got to feel certain things to realize what you had. I think it's just right. sitting back and reflecting what we had. We took for granted traveling, going oh. out, mm -hmm. oh, um, being in a room with people. I mean, I miss that piece. I'm a socializer. I miss seeing colleagues. I miss my lunches with, you know, when I was doing a lot of networking and marketing, I miss all that. And we don't have that. It's more via Zoom now if we, if we can. So even being here with you today, just in this media, you mean no forum and on Zoom, I'm just so grateful because we get to really have adult conversations. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm sure Kathleen's got a question. I'm going to dive in quick. We've got a little bit of time. Um, I have a theory and I'm, I'm not, I don't have a medical degree at all but I have 70 years of living like your dad behind me. Right. Yeah. So I went through some pretty tough stuff in Africa and it, I don't want to go into detail, not about me. And I noticed that when things got really bad, just as you said, there was a shift. Some people overcame, survived, they did whatever and others gave up. And in, in what it meant there was they left and went to another country, which I ultimately had to do because it was impossible to stay. But and when I came to Canada with no money uh, as a 55 year old, things were not easy, but they were considerably better than what I'd been facing at home. So I coped pretty well and yet others didn't. So my, my theory is that if you survive some degree of adversity, it 
builds you up to survive the next one. And that you get through that and you've probably got a better chance of surviving the next one. Is there something in that or am I way off being there? No, you, you, you're spot on. And, you know, just talking about it, I mean, as a child myself growing up, I mean, really kind of like more of a diplomatic world where your parents are just moving every four years mm -hmm. and in different positions and countries, we had to adapt. Nobody yep. asked me, hey, Regine, how do you feel about moving now? How do you feel about moving schools? How do you feel about this? Um, I was thrown in, I'm, I'm just going to share very similar experience in Israel. Um, there was only one French school in Yaffa and Yaffa is primarily Palestinian. Mm -hmm. there we, we had to learn the Quran, we had to learn the Torah and we had to learn um, the Bible, all three. All three. And I went to school with, the girls were covered. And so I had to learn very quickly how to adapt, how to respect their culture coming from France. I mean, I grew up in the South of France in Monaco. Right. Coming from that wow. to there, I mean, huge shift. Huge shift, yeah. And living through a war. We were yes. in bomb shelters. We were, I mean, we, you know, the alarm would go off. So as a teenager, you know, you're like, I didn't even think about the adjustment or no one really asked you. Mental health wasn't something that parents really did. You just said, yeah, you're going to get yourself back up and you're going to deal with this and you're going to be fine. Um, and that approach was great because look, I, I can share that today and say that it's just built our resilience. I want to mm -hmm. say, that's why I want to empower people. And what you're saying was so powerful is bad things happen to us all the time, yes, all the sad time. things, deaths, losses, but it's all about how, or we lose a job or we lost our business or, you know, it's a huge door. The, you know, the door slams right in your face and you have a choice. And I'm a big advocate of, you can stay in, in that depression. That's okay. It's okay to grieve. You have to grieve and feel that emotion. And we're all having bad days. We're having bad days and good days, but try to look at the other side, try to think about, okay, I'm not going to stay in this forever. And that's, what's going to really build your resilience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that when we've experienced war torn countries, when we've experienced challenge and adversities, yes, it makes us stronger. It makes us able to think outside the box on how will I accomplish something next? Um, you know, I think I've learned also not to have expectations. If someone rejects something I did, I'm okay with that. I mm -hmm. say thank you and I move forward. And I say, I hope to meet you someday or I hope to connect with you. And that's what people really like. I think it's just having that positive attitude and moving forward. And the same with our kids. Your kid is getting all Fs right now, let's say. You have a choice. How are you going to empower them to do that? They made an error. They made a mistake. Don't get upset. Don't show anger. Instead, step back and, you know, okay, if you have to cool off as a parent, hey, we've all been there, cool off, return in 10 minutes, sit down with them and have that conversation. Okay, let's see what happened here. How can you do better? How do you feel? And turn it more into a questioning and conversation. And that's what really helps and empowers kids because consequences at the end of the day, I can give you a consequence, but are you really going to learn from that consequence? Or should you and I sit here and talk and dissect why you were impulsive, why you did what you did, and why that was wrong? Because kids don't know. And no. sometimes adults don't know. No, so I agree with you. I think it's, it's made you stronger and it, you know, it really builds up that resilience mm -hmm. that every human has it. They just have to go through it. Yeah. So, Regine, for those 
people specifically dealing with issues of isolation and anxiety, is there any specific coping techniques that you can offer to our audience? Uh, maybe even something simple that might just get them through the day or just get them through that, that, that anxiety attack that, that's, that's coming on. Is there anything like that that you can offer? Yes, I really appreciate you asking that question. Uh, one thing that really helps to de-stress, just little, uh, I'm really big into meditation and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, it's bringing things into awareness. So there's incredible apps out there. I do these daily. The person can choose when to do it. I like to do it in the morning when I wake up. You know, I don't even go on my phone. You just leave everything. Don't check any emails. Don't look at your social media. Mm-hmm. Just get up, take a deep breath. Say one grateful thing. You're grateful to be alive. You're grateful that you have a roof over your head. You're grateful that you have food on the table. You're grateful your kids are healthy. Whatever it is you can feel grateful for. And uh, the apps I really love, there's UCLA Mindful app. Amazing. It has various guided meditations on there. Three minutes, five minutes. There's even one I swear by for insomnia. It's incredible. Um, It's a sleep meditation. It's 13 minutes. You are out. It's amazing. Um, So you can kind of choose and look through. There's also USC mindful. So you as a university, S as in Sam, C as in cat uh, app. Uh, There's headspace, obviously. So I think a person has to, if they want to get into that, uh, I think it's intimidating at first. People just don't think it's going to work or They may have some negative thoughts about it, but I think just imagine just staying still and being, and really feeling even your feet touching the ground, Mm -hmm. touching your chair, breathing. It's really about teaching you how to also breathe. So when you're having an anxiety trigger or a panic attack, that is such a great tool to use. I think that when you're in the panic attack, you're not going to be going straight to the app. So that's why I tell people, use the app every single day, three minutes of your time, anytime, how many times you want to do it. And um, just really important to breathe. So breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth and exhaling is really important. And that can really help. It feels, some people will say, oh, I feel so lightheaded. And I'm like, that's good. Um, That's you really calming your body. Mm Mm-hmm. I've got to. In- can, can you just repeat those the names of those apps? And I think we're going to put them in the captions as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So uh, UCLA. So UCLA. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mindful. It's called. And okay. the next one is USC uh, app. Uh, okay. It's just USC Mindful, I believe it's called. And uh, those can be find and found in the App Store on Am- mm-hmm. um, in the Apple. I was going to say Amazon on the in the app uh, on your phone on your Apple phone. And there's Headspace, Headspace is another yeah. wonderful one. I think you just have to find what you like best, what sure. you connect best with. And there's so many. You could just even type in mindful exercise, meditation exercise. I want to give another tip uh, for my for the anxiety because this goes back to the creation of my book and how it came out. Mm-hmm. I'm a big advocate of journaling. Mm-hmm. So every single day, you know, you could have your little journal by your bedside and just journal some thoughts. And oh, wonderful. <laughs> um, I love it. 
because journaling has a big purpose. Number one, it releases all that pent up energy, anger, frustration, irritability, and you're just leaving it there on paper. And it, it feels so good to just write it down and just leave it there. And when you do this consistently, I think it just declutters your mind mm -hmm. and helps you to feel more clear and grounded. Oh, you're absolutely right. Very quickly, about five years ago, I was on a course and our leader, the course leader said, start a gratitude journal, five mm -hmm. things you're grateful for, 10 things, that, uh, 10 things that went right in the last 24 hours, and then your thoughts for the rest. I do that. I've been doing that every morning for, for five years, mm -hmm. and I meditate for five minutes every morning. I started with an app. Now I just sit quietly, and that's after my walk, and I can drop my blood pressure from the before meditating to after mm -hmm. meditating. So you're absolutely right on that. That's enough for me. Uh, yeah. I think we, we are getting close to the end of our time. We need to ask you, how can people contact you and get your book? Yes. Yeah, so my book is on Amazon. Uh, so Frankie and the Worry Bees. Okay. And also it's on my website. So www.regine.com. That's M as in Mary, U-R-A-D as in David, I-A-N. And I have a book section there uh, where you can uh, also easy click and order my book. And uh, the new one is coming out 2021, uh, Frankie and his homeschool adventures. And it's all about accepting change and embracing change and that change is healthy. Good. And you have a contact form on your website where people can make direct contact with you too, from what I saw. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm going to hand it back to Kathleen. Just one more question, one quick one. Do you work with um, people from all over the world? So uh, that's the only thing. So I'm licensed only in California, um, but I do, yes. So it just, so I'm not working with, no, unfortunately, um, unless it's, you know, more coaching and not as therapy related. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit different. Um, and that's more executive coaching and just, you know, helping people de-stress and, uh, you know, resolving issues. But, uh, yeah, but mostly in California because I'm licensed in California. But I'm doing talks and speaking events uh, for schools all over. Yes, um, you know, uh, just psychoeducation. So anything if it's more educational related versus a one-on-one -on -one therapy relationship, I'm able to do that. Absolutely. Wonderful. Great. Thank you so much, Dr. Regine Maradian, Maradian for, for joining us today. We so appreciate you. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So do please keep them coming. And if anyone out there is interested in becoming a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And if you're interested in finding out about our next show, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. So until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye.